Hey everyone, welcome to Past Lives and the Divine. I'm Gina, the host of this podcast, and this is where we talk about past lives and the divine and anything slightly related, (laughs) which, you know what, I think the divine probably covers almost anything. I mean, we could even talk about like shoes, soap operas, but we're not going to. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So in this episode, I am just doing a little bit of a check-in, kind of where I'm at, what you can expect from the podcast. I've had life has been, I don't know, uh, fucking crazier than it's ever been for me. So I'm just kind of hanging on tight, doing what I can um, with everything that's going on. So I'm in the middle of a move. I am uh, starting to understand intuitive hits that have been coming to me about my business, about this podcast. Um, And I don't have any complete plans or anything like that uh, to share with you today. But I do have uh, some things that I wanted to share, just some things that I'm talking about. So or things that I've personally been thinking about a lot. Um, I just I really feel like I am in this kind of liminal space. And I guess when I say liminal, what I mean by that is like, um, I don't know, just like, I am not who I was. And I, I am not who I'm going to be. And especially because I think it's funny. um, In, uh, in May, I released a podcast episode of my latest hypnosis session that I had with Sarah Leverett and we went in you know just with the intention to see a life that would help me right now and I saw that life on the other planet and if you have not (laughs) listened to that um, please do it is a past life regression and even though I don't think it was a past life um, and it certainly wasn't on earth it is something that I think about so much so much like that life is so loud within me and I am I I think I'm a little over a month since I had that as I'm recording this right now and as a hypnotist I'm trained to say something to the effect of you know changes from hypnosis can unfold over weeks even months and that's why uh, it's it's important to have a mindfulness practice. I mean, one of the many reasons why it's important to have a mindfulness practice, um, just because there is so much that we can learn as we grow and evolve and reflect on experiences in this life or in another life. And that is just one of the many <laughs> cool, fantastic things, I think, about past life regression or the modality that we call past life regression. Um, I, I think it's kind of all happening at the same time, honestly, if I were to, if I were to bet on one option, it's all kind of happening at the same time or it's all for nothing. It's all a big accident. We're just going to be dust, you know, (laughs) a couple decades after we die. I don't know. I'm just trying to make the most of this one. Anyway, thinking of that life that I saw in that session with Sarah Leverett in May, just a little over a month ago, it hit me the other day or maybe a couple weeks ago of why that like an example of how that felt because one of the things one of the scenes in that past life or it wasn't a past life one of the scenes that I experienced in that session 
um, of that life was a scene where I was in some sort of disagreement with another person. And I wasn't trying to manage his emotions. I wasn't trying to prove that I was still a good person, even though, you know, I really thought we should go a different way. Uh, He wasn't defensive because he thought I thought he was wrong or vice versa, whatever. Um, It was just very much like a reverence for each other, a reverence to to say I can show up to this conversation and have a disagreeing point of view. And that doesn't mean that I'm bad. It doesn't mean that you're bad. And in that it was like, not only was that disagreement much more pleasant and effective, um, but as I was driving away, it was it allowed me, I was so present and not defensive and not trying to manipulate the situation to get him to see my point of view. And he wasn't doing the same to me either. Um, so it was reciprocated. I think if we operated like that on earth, it's a really good way to get walked all over, which I am discovering. Um, just people on earth are not like that, at least not a lot of the people that I encounter. And um, even the ones who mean the best, it's just it's it's so innate in us here. Uh, and I don't know why. That's not the point of this conversation. It's really just to say, like, the ability to show up like that, like not feeling like I need to fucking apologize for who I am, not feeling like I need to make everybody okay with my point of view before I can move on, um, allowed me to really disconnect from all of it in, like, the most healthy way as I was driving away. As I was driving away, I wasn't resentful of him. I wasn't thinking about what a dumb fuck he is. I wasn't thinking about, you know, what an asshole I am because I did A or B. And it was just this really quiet presence. And the way I can explain that is only to someone who um, watched True Blood on HBO. I don't know. I think it came out like in somewhere 05, 2010. I don't know. Uh, but in True Blood, one of the things, one of the main characters, Sookie Stackhouse, was when she would walk around, the way they would shoot some scenes was like she was overwhelmed with the amount of like mental chatter that she was getting from people and their mouth chatter. And and I don't know if this is my life experience, but even though I don't consider myself of fairy for God's sakes. But um, I do experience a lot of mental chatter about the chatter that's really going on. And I don't know if it's just my weird perception of the world, but a lot of people talk, 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 and then live in a completely different way. And I find that so, you know, at the minimum, it's confusing, which drains my energy. And at the most, it can be like, super frustrating. It can feel um, like, gaslighting. It can, it can be really, really destructive. Anyway, um, I am really seeing that in myself and how I show up in the world. And I'm really seeing how I can trust that and honor that. And actually, when I do trust and honor my experience, I'm better able to take care of myself, which gives me more energy for everything else I want to do on this earth. Because we all deserve that. <laughs> Joy and experiencing how wonderful Earth can be Earth can be is is like one of the reasons that we're here. I hear it over and over from clients and their spirit guides. So um, 
Anyway, uh, that past life or that other life that I experienced in that session with Sarah Leverett, it was so much like when Sookie Stackhouse met Vampire Bill for the first time and how he was just like quiet and he had one message coming from him and it was coming out of his mouth. And in the story, there's like a reason why she's like a fairy and he's a vampire and there's a whole storyline there. But just like (laughs) for simplicity, like that's how I felt in that past life. Like there was no conflicting chatter in the atmosphere around me or within me. Um, And it was so, so nice. And uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to get that on earth, but it is it serves me to experience that. I mean, if you listen to that, you can hear me. I'm like weeping. <laughs> like I am just like full on weeping, like joy, happiness. Like I don't, can't believe I deserve this. I can't believe this is even an option. And even though that's not my experience on earth, that calming quiet, that just like healing nothingness <laughs> is a memory that lives in my body. And I am, it's changing my fucking world. Like, I think of this memory lives within me. It's not just like a hypothetical. Like, I didn't have someone tell me, like, you feel this way and that's because you had a life or or you have a life or you want a life where it's just quiet. Like, the conflicting messages from people. I mean, even people who mean well, the amount of people who have showed up in my inbox in the last year and said something to the effect of, hey, don't worry about it. I know you're going through a hard time. I don't worry about getting back to me. And then it's very clear that I take too long to get back to them. And it's very clear that on some level they're upset with it. A lot of, I don't know, incongruence or cognitive dissonance, whatever the fuck, it's confusing and it's draining as fuck to me. Um, So to be able to have that memory now be like conscious and I'm able to like feel what that felt like, it changed my mind. It changed my world because not only do I hypothetically think something could be better within my mental landscape, it's like, oh, it can not only be better, but like this is what it could be. And that's even better what I even maybe would have imagined. And, and now it's really, really easy. And this is the thing that I love about hypnosis is that it takes a logical idea like life is better when your mind isn't filled with conflicting messages from yourself and everyone around you, <laughs> which makes sense. It's completely different for me. I logically get that. I've gotten that for years, but I just thought that was my lot in life, and it is, but it's like having a taste of the experience of being in a body on a planet where that doesn't exist, it like gives me something to strive for, like something to point me in that direction. And it's so clear because the amount of people in my life who don't want any of me if they can't have like every fucking bit of me. And this has been a shed over the last year of like, like close family members, um, fucking acquaintances, like people who were kind of friends or distant friends. Like, it's amazing to me. 
Um, and, and it's sad because I hate that people think that love is, I have to control or have all of you or way more than you want to give or nothing. And I know that everybody's got their fucking baggage. (laughs) But what I'm out of the business of is trying to create theories of why people operate the way they do. And what this, that leads to, as you can imagine, a fuck ton of chatter in my fucking brain that won't stop and is easily triggered if it does stop. Like, this is like my fucking Mount Everest, I feel like, in this lifetime, or at least where I'm at right now. But it's made me feel like, okay, that is a type of love. It's a type of love that I grew up in. It's a type of love that bloomed in many other areas of my life. Family, lovers, friends, distant friends, new friends, whatever, resurfaced friends. And it is what it is. And I have nothing against these people. I barely know what the fuck is me inside my brain. So I'm not even going to pretend to know why someone else does something. But what I do know is that as I'm headed to a life that includes more peace and quiet inside my brain, the people who have a problem with that, since this session I had with Sarah Leverett, I no longer care in the best, most loving way. Like, yep, I don't put up with this anymore. Yep, I'm not enough for you. Let me free you from our relationship. You know, or like, I am a 42-year-old woman or however old I am. Like, you can't get mad at me for my life choices because I no longer serve you in some way. Um, And this is such a theme in my life right now. Like, the um, I'm not kidding. Like, the amount of people around me, it's like this huge shedding. And it's been so much less effort, so peaceful and clear on my end since that session with Sarah Leverett in May. Because it's like, oh my God, this is where I'm heading. This is all I want. This is out of the hell that is my experience of life on earth inside my brain. And if someone can't even ask a question that might get them to that answer, if someone's automatically, um, because honestly, it's the people who I give, give, give to who are most upset by this, but that's that's an imbalanced relationship. And people can feel that on both ends. And on both ends, it causes dysfunction. And I'm just getting to the point where it's like, oh my God, I know exactly what I want. It's so fucking simple. And I deserve it. And then I was gifted this life experience in this hypnosis session last May where I'm like, oh my God, this is it. And anybody who doesn't want me to have this can go fuck fuck themselves. Like in the most loving way. Like I, (laughs) please, like get your rocks off somewhere else because it ain't going to happen here. Like I'm just, and I not only don't want to do that anymore. Like I literally can't after that past life regret or after that, I keep wanting to say past life regression, but it wasn't a past life regression. Um, so I, I guess it's been, it's been a fucking hell of like a two year, one year, last two years for sure. Last one year intensely. The last six months has been like, 
I don't know, this wild uncovering and shedding of layers. And it has been so painful. And the beauty in that is like, I have seen the people who really care and not just, oh, I like having you around. I like you. But the people who are like, I really care about you. I see that you're good. What do you need? How can I support you? And then they show up and they support and they feel good for supporting. And they're not supporting, so I reciprocate something that'll never be good enough for them. That is just, I don't know, it has, I am just in this liminal space. And it is incredibly um, scary. It, I have never felt so, so much emotion and so much shedding and unveiling. And it's difficult. Um, And I think it's wonderful. It's awesome. When I dig around in this shit, it's not like, oh, shadow work. Now I'm traumatized because of what I've seen. It's like, no, you dig in the shadows to get the clarity about what the fuck you can't see that's driving you fucking bananas. Um, And so, I don't know, I feel like I've been having the conversation a lot, too, of, like, shadow work and and the fears around doing it and and how people who do uh, help people through shadow work, however they do it, like, hands-on healing, audio stuff, whatever, however they're doing it. Um, And there's just this reinforcement that it is uncomfortable and it is painful. And I had a previous client of mine... Um, Max, hi. (laughs) I just have to give her props because I think of this all the time. And it, it was something I was feeling about shadow work, how everybody puts on it, how awful it is, how uncomfortable it is. Um, but you're already uncomfortable. I'm already uncomfortable when I'm doing quote, quote, doing shadow work. I'm already uncomfortable. That's why I'm doing it. Um, if I didn't do the work, I would remain <laughs> uncomfortable. Uh, and Max, this um, previous client of mine, said something. I don't know if it was in response to a podcast episode, but she had sent me a message and said something to the effect of shadow. If if you think of awareness, this has been so long. Max, if you're listening, I'm wondering if I'm like totally, if you're like, oh my God, that's not what I meant by that. <laughs> anyway, she said something to the effect of our awareness, if you think about it, our awareness coming out of our eyeballs or something like our awareness is our is what our eyeballs are pointed at and if you think of that as like headlights like awareness is what we're looking at what we're illuminating in our minds or in our eyeballs whatever and the shadow is just the shit that we don't we're not aware of and so it would be like if i'm in a pitch black room and i have a tiny little flashlight and i'm shining it around it's like I'm only going to see exactly what I'm focused on, but I could like trip over something on the floor. I could get hit by something hanging off the wall. I could run into a piece of furniture. Um, It's not that the things I can't see are bad. It's just if I'm not aware of them, there's a good chance that they could make my experience, my journey, my existence um, a lot more painful. And so to stop putting all of this pressure on like, oh, doing shadow work and all of that, and instead being like, Oh, the shadow is just like a place I got to go shine my (laughs) headlight eyeballs on 
and see why I'm so uncomfortable. Like, what did I run into? What is this thing that's poking me in the back? What is this thing that's attached to me slowly draining energy? In life, if we, the more we can get away from labels, the better we all feel. Um, you know, I, I mean, that alone could be like a 10 hour conversation, but, but I think that labels can oftentimes, it's a stopping point for people. And I think it, uh, life is not a stopping point. That's not the point here. To label it as bad, I know how, you know what? I know how powerful my mind is and your all's mind. Like every client that comes in, like we are so powerful. And so if we think, oh, this work is going to be so uncomfortable, I don't want to do it. First of all, don't do work that you don't have to do ever. I don't care what it is. Like don't, if it's work and you don't have to do it, don't do it. Um, And with quote shadow work, just know that Dig in the shadows. That's where you go look when you're already uncomfortable. Um, There's a lot of people. I think everybody is just struggling right now. I am fucking struggling right now. I think we're all struggling right now. It's just a difficult, difficult time. And so with that struggle, there's probably some things that you're unaware of in your life just because you haven't shined the light on it with your awareness, if you think of your awareness as a light. And that's it. You don't have to be afraid of it. Um, And you can ease into it. I am always, this, this happens more often than you'd think. So this is, I've done over 100 podcast episodes. That's a lot of me <laughs> rambling on about the different types of experiences, different journeys you can go on, ways to, you know, do this or that, um, listening to different sessions. But it's amazing to me when someone says, oh my God, I've listened to all your episodes. I love it. Or I've been listening for two years and I love it. Or I've been listening since you started however many years ago and I love it. And then they'll say, but I'm not ready to do a past life regression yet. And it's like, oh, you don't have to. As you know, you've you've been listening to the podcast. Like there's a ton of free journeys on there. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm afraid to do that by myself. And here's what I want to tell you. is like, you do not have to be afraid. Like if you are afraid to fall asleep, then, then maybe dig into that. But if you're not afraid to fall asleep, I don't believe you need to be afraid to move into a trance state. A trance state is a really, really relaxed state. Our brain waves shift and we're able to access more of our subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind is there to protect us. That is one of the number one things it's there for, or I don't think that's true, but that is like a big thing that science has proven. Like it is there to protect us. If I touch a hot burner before my conscious mind can even be like, oh my gosh, that's hot, you're gonna get a burn. What is that burn going to look like? Um, before I can even have a conscious thought, my fucking hand is off that burner. That's the subconscious mind. And I can tell you from working with hundreds of people in a past life regression, most of whom have had a peaceful, uneventful death and or life or both, most of them. Uh, but the ones who have had a traumatic, quote, traumatic, what we would call a traumatic death, the subconscious mind will leave parts out whether you're automatically watching it like a movie instead of experiencing it, whether the visuals that you were getting leave and now you just have a knowing that comes in. Oh, I'm being like 
you know, this is happening to me or that is happening to me. Um, but it is a different mindset when you're in there and you are more powerful than you know. And there are parts of you that are designed to protect you in this element. And I want you to know that hypnosis has been around for as long as humans have been around. <laughs> so this ain't some like new fangled thing. Um, and what I mean by that is it's like, it's natural. Um, and people use it and people move in and out of trance states more than they know, more than they think. You know, that euphoria you kind of feel after a yoga class, part of that is trance. Part of it is the way our bodies respond to physical movement. Um, the deep relaxation we get in a trance state when you're doing, when you're like, oh, I'm just in a really good rhythm with my meditation and it seems to really be working. On some level, you are either in a trance state or very, very close to a trance state. When you're doing hypnosis that I am facilitating, at any time you could pop your eyes open and leave. And you know what? There are many, many clients who go, we're in the middle of a past life scene, you know, we're maybe like an hour into their session and they go, Gina, can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> and I go, yes, of course. Just open your eyes and slowly and intentionally walk to the bathroom. And when you come back, just relax, close your eyes, and we'll start right where we left off. And they're able to do it. Wham, bam. So peeing your pants isn't scary. <laughs> and your mind isn't even letting you do that. So that's good. Uh, take it for what it's worth. But um, if you are someone who has been listening to this podcast forever, start out with a channel and write episode because you do it with your eyes open. It's essentially um, like a deep meditation. That's what that'll feel like. You're even sitting up, you open your eyes and you write. Uh, it's all very, um, you're not even going to fall asleep most likely. I mean, you might if you're that deprived <laughs> to sit down with your eyes closed for a few minutes. But um, just to know that don't let that stop you. And there, and if you're not ready for a past life scene, you're not going to get it. Like if you aren't ready, you're not going to get it. But that's never happened with a client of mine, which you could say, yes, they were into it and they signed up for a session with you. But typically what happens to any client, whether they're fearful or not, is that they see a life that's pretty simple, or boring, it might be sad, it might be joyous, it's probably a mix of it all. And then the death is usually pretty ho-hum, at home, just kind of drifted off, maybe one or some people around you who you love, it's pretty tame. And to hear the story might be boring for someone else, but when you are living a life, experiencing a life that you are meant to experience at this point on your journey, it there's always like just these really magical nuggets. Okay, so another thing I want to say, if you're a little afraid to get going on this hypnosis train, another thing that you can do, and it's one of the things that I did before... Well, I'll tell you what you could do. What you can do is invite a friend or a loved one or someone who you live with maybe to say, hey, I'd like you to just hang around. Don't talk to me. Don't let anyone interrupt me. I'm going to be, you know, locked in the bedroom or I'm going to be laying in this corner with noise canceling headphones on. However you do it, you can always have someone who's kind of, I don't know, like a sitter. Like they're not going to bother you. Uh, they know what you're doing. They know your concerns. 
Um, and you can just tell them, hey, I'm going to do this. If I'm not vertical in an hour, come, you know, give me a nudge. <laughs> uh, but honestly, if that were to happen, I'd imagine you would just be sleeping. Uh, either that or just like having a really good past life experience or astral projection or maybe you're conversing with others on the other side. Um, that is what I did. So when I first got trained in hypnosis, I was also at some point got access to an audio file that was labeled out of body experience. And at the time I was like, whoa, like this seems like next level, <laughs> you know, like, and that's what I did. I told Alex, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this audio file. So I'm going to be over here. Don't bother me. If the dog needs something, take care of it. Like, pretend like I'm not here, but, you know, set a timer. And if I'm not awake. And I did the audio out-of-body audio journey that I had. And today, as I think of that, I think out-of-body, the out-of-body experience, is kind of like shadow work in our world where all of this weight is put on it. Like, can you do it? Should you do it? Are you going to come back from this? And uh, I, if you want an out-of-body experience, I, if you dream at night ever, if you have a hunch that you might be dreaming, but even if you can't remember them, like that's technically an out-of-body experience. Um, do you disassociate and become a shell of yourself to please other people or to avoid abusive, angry outbursts from people in your orbit? That's a form of dissociation or out-of-body experience in my mind. I don't really think of it as like a all or nothing, on-off, that sort of thing. I think it's something that we uh, can be kind of like, it's more of a spectrum situation of like, you're either not doing it, you might be doing it a little bit, you might be doing it enough and it's fine for you, it might be doing it a little bit and it's too much for you, you know, all of it. And the only one who can say that is you, for you and me, for me. Uh, so just to know, we put a lot of weight on these things, trance, hypnosis, experiencing other lives, out-of-body experience, the life between lives, astral projection, the Akashic records, all of that stuff. And you have the equipment to do it. You were born with it. If you are unsure, get a sitter. If you are interested in a session, I would love to be your safe space where you come and get it or find someone who you feel safe with. Uh, I don't do in-person sessions. Everything I do is online. It works better for every client and it works better for me. Um, but if you're an in-person kind of person, um, you know, Google past life regression and your area or past life regression and the state that you would travel to or travel in to find it. But I just, for anyone else out there who's like, I want to do it, but I'm a little afraid. Uh, this is just your little push. Like that idea has come into my orbit a, a lot more in the last few months. And so I just wanted to put that out there. So this kind of gets to a little bit about what I want to talk to next, which is a shorter point. My God, hopefully. <laughs> um, but it's about um, essentially how what we want, what we want to experience is way closer than we think. Uh, this is a message that is repeated to me in meditation, in hypnosis. It's repeated to me over and over in many different ways. And it's something that my spirit guides 
just really, really want me to pay attention to. Through everything I've done on this like conscious path of, I remember the first time I was like, okay, I've checked all the boxes that I should or could and life still sucks major. Uh, And to like taking responsibility for myself and for my mood and my mental landscape, the first time I did that, Uh, was in 2005. So I am rounding the quarter on 42. I don't know what's that math. Oh, I don't know. Somewhere around 20 years. And and something that I picked up along the way, I don't know, I, I think it might be a yogic thing maybe. It's this idea that everything you truly want, everything you truly want is a lot closer than you think. So uh, a really boring, not fun example of this but just take the point, you don't have to agree with this, would be, for example, like, oh, I just want relaxing time, you know, laying on a beach or laying in the sun on the water. And in Minnesota, that would mean you save your little pennies and you buy a little shithole cabin on a little mosquito-infested lake in northern Minnesota, and then you hustle buns up there every Friday afternoon with every other person sitting in traffic for your five-hour drive up to this little pissant cabin where you don't ever lay in the sun because the projects are aplenty, and you haven't been there in a week, and the grass grew a foot, and all of it, right? Like, we think we need all these things and it's like, or like, I'm going to work, 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 save, 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 um, you know, grit my teeth through this lifestyle so I can retire one day. And I'm not saying we shouldn't think about the future. I think to not think about the future is playing it a little riskier than I would like to. But I do think we put a little too much weight on future outcomes, especially future outcomes of things we have zero control over or we can control, but there are many things that could get in the way of it. And it's that is kind of on a big like life scale that we all see over and over of like, yes, logically, you shouldn't wait. But what is really happening to me right now is I'm taking all these ideas I've picked up in the last 17, 20 years, and I'm actually embodying them. <laughs> so it was like, all through my 30s, it was like, this relationship is driving me crazy. I need to put up a boundary here. And I wouldn't. I would never put up a boundary. I would say the words of putting up a boundary, but the boundary would be crossed and I wouldn't do a thing about it. The resentment would build. I'd blow up, blow a fucking gasket, yell at someone, feel like a fucking asshole, also feel resentful because nobody respects me and what I want. Nobody cares. You know, all of that. That is a space where you need a boundary. And so logically, for 15, 17, 20 years, I knew I needed a boundary there. But I am just getting kicked in the ass with, like, actually embodying the shit I'm learning. So, like, this is not only voicing what I need, but, like, actually saying, and if you can't respect what I need, I'm going, you know, with just a blatant disrespect, like... You're out of my life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that hurts you. I'm sorry if that hurts the people around you. But like I've been asking for decades. Um, So I really do feel like I'm in this space where I'm learning things on a much deeper level and actually able to take lessons and like I'm able to see how I haven't embodied them and how I need to embody them. So this idea of like everything you want is so close. And I think that logically sounds good, but that is 
absolutely not the mindset I use when I am <laughs> making decisions, making plans, that sort of thing. But through different experiences and different messages and communications over the last few months, well, probably really since like the beginning of April-ish of this year, um, has been this blatantly showing me what I want and then how easy it is to get. So um, through a painful <laughs> shedding, um, understanding what it is I truly need to feel nourished in a relationship. And if I don't feel nourished in a relationship, at least right now, I, it's not something I want in my life. I'm not saying forever, but I'm saying right now, I've, I have spent 42 years giving it all to people who don't necessarily deserve it, in my opinion. I'm sure they'd feel differently. <laughs> um, and instead of just being in this kind of mindless cycle, I have been shown like, actually, all you have to say is, please don't talk to me about that. And then when they talk to you about that, say, I've already asked you once, I'm going to ask you again, please don't talk to me about this, or don't talk to me like that, or don't yell at me like that, or don't try to control me like that. Then it becomes very clear, now Gina, pay attention, how these people are not listening to you, and then I have a decision to make. It's a waste of time for me to be like, this is right, this is wrong, I feel this way because of A, B, and C, you should abide by what I say because it's healthier, A, B, and C, this is the route I used to take, explaining everything to anyone. And now it's just like, that's the shit I don't want. I'll see you again if shit changes, I'm sure we'll be back in each other's orbit. But to know, like, for me, a lot of my stress came from different relationships and different types of relationships. Um, and to be like, oh, you can just say something and then pay attention every time you have to repeat what you're saying. And eventually, I, when I started doing that, I started to just kind of feel insane. Like, oh, I'm actually forcing myself to voice this every time and repeat how many times I've voiced it. And I'm starting to see how crazy I am. Like, I'm waiting for this person to learn a lesson and I have not learned my lesson. And that's another thing too. I think learning lessons and that idea is very overinflated. I think the way we look at it is super unproductive of like, yeah, you learned a lesson, but now are you going to embody it? <laughs> like for me... Yeah, I knew I needed to put up a boundary with certain people in my life in my late 20s. But in my early 40s, now I'm actually doing it. Like, um, it was almost like I was reading books and listening to speakers and podcasts and all this stuff. And it, it was almost like I was just collecting these ideas. And, you know, maybe we do that long enough and you start to wake up eventually. Maybe that. I also think I'm kind of a late bloomer. And I don't think of myself as stubborn, but I'm sure there's like stubbornness in there. I'm sure it's like fueled by a fear. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <sighs> so what we really want is so much closer. And so, for example, um, I just need a lot of downtime right now. I'm going through a lot of change. A lot of people in my life think I'm a fucking asshole for that change. And um, really shifting to a care about Gina first mentality is takes work um, and and it's incredibly painful maintaining boundaries and I have way more energy now with that boundary in place and life feels easier now with that boundary in place 
Now, the only time I do fighting about that boundary or pushing or explaining around that boundary is one time they get another warning. If I feel like they might learn, most people don't, so I don't. <laughs> like, And then to be like, yep, this isn't working. Let me free us both from this situation. Again, people aren't right or wrong. Um, that's another thing, too. It's like on Earth, when we have a disagreement with someone, we right away have to play place blame and make someone wrong. And again, I think that's such a stupid, unproductive thing. It's like, what went wrong? Sure. So we don't do it again. But like now, more importantly, what are we going to do to avoid it? I don't care who did it. Like we can all learn from it. Anyway, this idea, we are closer to what we really want. Like how often do we just want to like sit down on the couch and relax? Well, what if you could have 30 minutes or three fucking minutes? And so for me, uh, what that can look like is like, I love to listen to my audiobook in color, and I've done enough shedding and changing and crafting of my life uh, on some level uh, over the last 17 years where it's pretty easy for me to find time to do it. But there are things like, I would like to just like sit down and not have a plan of what I'm going to watch. Like I never watch TV anymore. Something shifted in me with the pandemic where it's like, Believe me, there are a ton of things that I would love to watch. I'd love to watch the new Kardashian situation on Hulu. But like, I just, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm never sitting on the couch channel surfing, which to me, I feel like, hey, I'm on the right path for where I want to go. But I do miss that every once in a while. So if I really want that, why don't I make a date with myself? I could have that tomorrow. Fuck, I could have it tonight. If I only needed an hour, I could probably do it this afternoon. But if I plan to do it, how often would I go, well, I'll do it once I do this laundry. Well, I'm just going to clean this up quick. Well, shit, the laundry is going to change. Okay, so I'll change over the laundry. Okay, well, I'll wait, then fold it, then sit down. Oh, shit, I forgot I was going to do this. Oh, now I'm texting this person because of this. Now I'm distracted over here. And now four hours went by and I didn't do it. But it's like how often, it's not necessarily a block. It's like just, just allow these things to come in like when we decide what we truly need life really is simple okay so this came to me this is so crazy i read this to my kinship group and it was like just hang on everybody i'm gonna read you (laughs) a really long quote that i read on the wall at a jimmy john's okay so i'm gonna read it to you Because I had these experiences, these really clear messages coming through and really clear like reminders and just almost like notifications within my mind of like, right now, right now, you're blocking what you want. And it would be a simple thing like, oh my gosh, it's so, you know, like if I was getting home from a van trip and say it was the evening and it was a really nice evening and Alex was in the backyard with the dogs, I might be like, oh, I just want to go back there and sit. But oh, you know what I really want to do? I'm going to feel good tomorrow morning if I wake up and the van is clean and all my laundry's done. And so I would trade that joy for like doing laundry and cleaning the van. And not that that's bad. Sometimes that shit has to happen. But for me personally, I was doing that kind of stuff when it didn't matter. It's like, Uh, what, is your boss going to be mad, Gina? Your boss is the one cleaning out her van. Like, (laughs) she's she's you. So this quote, I was waiting for my sandwich at Jimmy John's one day and saw this on the wall. Uh, It's titled, How Much is Enough? And the author is unknown. Okay, so 
it's it's really long, so I might shorten some of it, but you'll get the gist. Okay. An investment banker was at a pier of a small coastal village when a small boat with a fisherman came up, and in the small boat were several large fin tuna. The banker said to the fisher person, how long does it take you to catch that? And the fisher said, only a little bit. And the banker was wondering why the fisher didn't stay out longer, catch more fish. And the fisher said, well, I got enough for what I need right now. And then the banker said, but what do you do with the rest of your time? And the fisherman said, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my kids, take a siesta with my wife, stroll into the village every evening where I sip wine, play guitar with my friends. I have a full and busy life. And then the banker just scoffed and said, I'm a Harvard MBA and I could help you. You should spend more time fishing. And with the proceeds, you could buy a bigger boat. And then with the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats. And then eventually, you'd have a fleet. And instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would be the processor. You know, eventually opening your own cannery, you'd control the product, the processing, the distribution. You could move out of this fishing village and move to the big city. How long will this take? And the banker said, oh, 15 to 20 years. But then what? And the banker just laughed and said, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO, sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. You would make millions. Millions? Then what? Then you'd retire, move to a small coastal fishing village, where you'd sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a nap with your wife, stroll the village, sip wine, play guitar. I mean, <laughs> so clear. And we do that. I, I do those things and it's that dumb and that clear. So with this reflection, I'm just saying, if you choose to, I have found value in really trying to notice when I block or avoid or think I can't for whatever reason do have or be what, what I am longing for in this life. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, um, give it a try. It is a wild ride at times, always totally worth it. Let me know how it goes for you. <laughs> I think it's important to say and say it over and over is that when I'm discovering these things about myself, I'm not feeling guilty about it. I'm resisting the urge to feel annoyed with myself for seeing it again. And instead, what I'm doing is using it, using it more to see kind of the discrepancies between like, what do I think is important and then how much of that is in my life and how much of that in my life is like actually positioned against it. That is another layer that I wanted to talk to you about today is the idea of the values that we hold and the idea of the values we hold um, and our understanding of them. So I 
there's a writer by the name of Holly Whitaker, and she has a podcast, and her podcast is hosted with another woman named Emily McDowell. And on their podcast, and I think it was their episode with Africa Brooke. Oof, I could be wrong, but I don't want to go back and listen to it. But I also want to let you know where I got it. (laughs) It's this idea of values and not just values. What are your values? But the conversation was about embodied values versus desired values and how they are two very different things. And they can fluctuate back and forth. They can change. They can move on and off altogether of either of those lists. And I thought of it in terms of just everything I've seen in the human experience when I was a wellness coach and consultant, now being a hypnotist and working with people kind of on, you know, some of the deepest levels that we we can work on with our conscious mind at this point. And it's easy for me to, and I think it's probably easier for all of us, to see when someone says, X is really important to me. And then it's like every decision they make, every move (laughs) that they do conveys a different idea. You know, um, I see this a lot in, in relationships. I see it a lot in dysfunctional relationships in my life where it's kind of like, I just, to me, the golden rule is just so outdated and toxic. And it's like, treat others the way you would treat yourself. So I I think that's outdated, right? So if I show up and if someone shows up in relationship with me and they value the relationship and they want me to feel loved, if they were, they can, that might be a desired value. Of course, we show up in these relationships, we want other people to feel loved. And that's a desired value. An embodied value would be taking that value and then living that life experience. And so then that would look like asking the other person or someone asking me, what does it feel like to be loved? How do you do friendship? How do you do romantic relationships? How do you want to do this family relationship? How do you want our relationship to look? How do you want to be loved? I want you to feel loved by me. What does that feel like to you? But how often do we then take out the old golden rule and go, I love them, so I'm going to treat them the way I want to be treated. (laughs) Like, that's great if it's a coincidence and you both want to be treated the exact same, but that is not my experience in my own personal life and the clients that I see. So right there, like an embodied value would be having that conversation, not being defensive and just taking in information as as to like, we're two people with two different love languages probably, and let's kind of figure it out. That would be embodying that. Um, A desired value though, I feel like can be dangerous if I believe my my desired values are the values in which I live my life. So for example, where I'm at right now, I can see that living for me and my happiness was a desired value. I thought that's how I was living my life. But now I'm embodying it. And I can see how many waves (laughs) that makes in my immediate world. And that tells me, wow, 
I was losing my hair before. Um, I felt like I could sleep anywhere, anytime, no matter what. I never had any energy. Like all of this shit that I used to deal with on a physical level is leaving my life the farther away toxic relationships are. And so I can see even clearly, even more clearly, like, oh, now I'm embodying the value of I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to reparent me, be my safe space, whatever you call it. And embodying that is like putting up the boundaries, having a conversation. So I don't know if that if that helps you or if that's just too jumbled. It's something that's pretty new that I've been thinking about in this liminal space. Um, and well, it's something that I've always sensed. I, I feel like I could always sense that. Um, I, I think if you have your <laughs> mind open, even the slightest bit in the wellness industry, if you work there, it's pretty easy to see um, how people, for example, they think health is important to them, but the way they live their life, they choose more stress, they won't release guilt, they eat and drink to solve their stress, they, you know, all of these things that are not health related. And I mean, if you're new to this, I don't give a shit what you do. Like, if you want to smoke six pack of cigs a day and just sit around, like, go for it. But what I what drives me bananas is when you fill my ear with your complaints, because your health is important to you, but then you shoot yourself in the foot every day, all day. And that comes up not only with like health and wellness, but it comes up in relation, reoccurring relationship drama and toxicity. It comes in with financial stuff. It comes in with like business stuff, relationships, success projects, whatever. There is literally not one space in my life where I'm not kind of shining this light on. This light of like, Okay, so I say I value this, but am I really living like that? And I can't say that I'm going about it by first asking that question. I mean, sometimes I might, um, depending on the situation. But it's more so I start asking that question when I keep repeating the same thing over and over. Uh, I'm blessed with a, with a real fu- low tolerance like, for boredom. Like, I like change. I like adventure. Um, so to be stuck in a rut, I, I it's my understanding that I feel it a lot quicker than people, and I have a lot lower tolerance and need to get the fuck out before a lot of people. And that's usually been seen as a bad thing, like in my family growing up, like being sensitive or weak in any way. Um, But I see it as a real strength right now, not being able to put up with that bullshit. And then right there. Yes, I love and honor that part of myself. I see the strength in it. That's like maybe something I value. Or is it something that I want to want to value? Because a lot of times I still feel like I need to apologize for that side of myself. And there's, and in that, for me personally, I can feel that there's like fear of not being good enough, uh, not trusting myself because what if they're all right and I'm wrong? What if I really am bad for being this sensitive um, or this weak or whatever, not able to put up with X long enough? <laughs> so I'm just kind of looking at that. And because I'm the type of person where it's easy for me to see this in other people. 
uh, now I use that as like, a, if I feel like I'm seeing it in someone else to right away go, huh, how is that true for me? Not, is that true for me? Because of course a big part of my brain is going to be like, oh, hell no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, I'm in judgment mode. Instead, just asking the curious question of how is that true for me? And it might be like 1% true. Maybe you still have a shred of it in you. Or maybe it's like, wow, I do that too. And it really, I hate that or something. Notice it in other people. Ask how it's true for yourself. And yeah, when you notice going through life and you think you should feel one way, but you don't, to me, that's a good way to check in. What do I really want in life? What do I value? Okay, am I living like those values are really what I value? Or am I living like um, I'm afraid I can't do things on my own? Or I'm afraid things aren't going to work out? Or am I living, you know, as if I, I don't believe I'm someone who deserves peace and harmony in my brain? Or am I living like that's all the chatter in my brain is for me to deal with while I'm servicing other people and everything they want me to do and be. So that is, I am in the middle of that. You know what my hope is, is that someday, <laughs> I someday very soon, like, God, I hope it's like months and not years. I look back on this podcast episode and I'm like, God, I'm so glad I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm so glad I got it figured out. But that's where I am right now. Um, with that, I want to let you know, I really, really value this podcast. I really, really fucking feel so lucky to do the work that I do. And I'm so thankful to not only <clears throat> have people, I consider this podcast as like art to me. It comes through me. I have the fun of creating it and getting my ideas out there. And once it's in your ears, I love you and whether you love it or not is I hope you do something with that. Not, you don't need to, I can't do anything about it at that point. <laughs> like I don't need to know. I don't. So I really, I, I love it and I love this podcast and I take breaks from it regularly because what I do know is that when I don't listen to that little thing inside of me that says, I'm getting kind of bored, I need a break, or this is stressing me out more than I want it to, my small inner voice is something I value and a desired value it is. And to embody that is like actually listen to it and honor it. So whenever I feel that way, I take a little break from the podcast and I'm going to take a break. I, I am moving next month. Um, I also have a really fun trip that I'm going on to Ireland. And so just a ton going on. I, as I talked about, God, I hope I didn't go on more than once about it, but I talked about how, I don't know, through my hard drive backups and my lack of memory on my computer, somehow a file folder of podcast episodes that were either done or very near done uh, was eaten into the ethers. I have not found it, so... In theory, at this point, I was supposed to have <laughs> the podcast episodes done through August, and I don't. So shit happens. I got to give myself a break, and I will be back. I actually have a couple of interviews scheduled to record in the next couple weeks, and I want to give you all an update um, once, like, after I move, just how I'm doing, just kind of reflecting as well. 
So uh, make sure you're subscribed however you listen to the podcast. If you're on Apple or Google or however, if you can subscribe to get notifications, do that. You can also go to pastlivesinthedivine.com slash subscribe, get on my email list because um, <clears throat> in about a month-ish, I think, uh, I'm going to put out my hours for the fall. I'm going to wait till after I move to figure that out. Uh, I have a couple other uh, travels up in the air. So I just, I'm going to wait a little bit on that. But if you get on my email list, you'll know when I release a podcast episode, you can go look for it, find it. You can listen to it on my website. And then, um, once I open my books for clients for past life regressions in the fall, winter, I will send an email about that too. So again, go to pastlivesandthedivine.com slash subscribe. One more thing. I love how much this idea of this other life I experienced and just the silence in the brain and what that feels like. I love how much that weaving of thought patterns and the fabric that wove brought me to True Blood. It's been so long since I even thought of that show and that show was just so good on so many levels. It's probably not surprising that I would like a show like that. Um, but I just always loved it. It reminded me how often I would go, Suki. <laughs> Remember how Bill used to say Suki's name? It would just fucking crack me up. And my sister and I would say it to each other all the time, just like at the most random moments. So if you were a True Blood watcher and you loved it as much as I did, then I wanted to say Suki <laughs> to you. Thank you so much for being here, listening to my rambles. Hopefully, um, you can use it as entertainment just to listen or reflect back on your life. Like what, how does that show up for you? Does it show up for you? Uh, yeah, whatever you want to do with it, it's up to you. I don't care. I'm giving it freely. Thanks so much for being here. Take anything that helps you lighten your load and just leave the rest. Bye.